0: Hello and welcome to the Praise Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit praisecenteronline.com. The second half of the story, Jesus brings this new character into the story, the older son. And when he brings this character into the story, I relate really well to this older son. Because all through my childhood and growing up, my mother's family had a lot of prodigals. They had a lot of lost sons. They would go off and do their own thing. My brother was even that way. And you would wait patiently and you would pray. And my mom would always say to me, well, it's like that parable. You're the older son. You've just always been faithful. And, but when we get into it, you'll see how there's parts of it that I just went, okay, I've got to be better than the older son. <laughs> So I always, because I related to that so well, I wanted to be different than the older son. But even though I was the older son, you'll see when we get into this. But the whole reason that Jesus is writing and and telling this story in the first place is to address the heart of the older brother. He's, not, he's telling us this story about the son, and we'll get into that, but his real point is to get to the heart of you and I, the older brother in this story. And so I want us to go clear to the beginning of the chapter in Luke chapter 15. If you're open with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 15, and I'm going to need my notes. They're back here on this iPad. I could probably just, you know, I'll mess up just as much with them or without them, so it doesn't matter probably if I have them or not, but because I sometimes forget to even look at my notes, I get so carried away. Um, So living on purpose, loving the lost. Luke chapter 15. Lord, we just ask that your word would speak to our hearts, and you really would give us such an amazing love for the lost that we've never even experienced. Just quadruple it in our hearts, and just give us a passion, and help us to see the way you see the lost in this, in this chapter here, Lord. Amen. So verse 1, now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. These first two verses tell us why Jesus is going to tell this parable. He's been sitting here preaching and and teaching the people. Just before this, he's teaching how you have to deny yourself to be a disciple, to follow me. And all these sinners, and sinners are just people who have no relationship with God. They just don't even know that they're supposed to serve God yet, right? That's all a sinner is, someone who's still lost. They, don't, they haven't been found yet. They don't know Jesus. And so all of these people begin to gather, and hearing Jesus teach, and the Pharisees of the day are the religious people. They're the people who follow the Torah. They followed the law strictly and they expected everyone else to. And they did not even associate with people who were sinners. It was like, no way. So they're just appalled. They're standing over here watching the sinners all gathering around to hear Jesus and they're going, seriously? And have you ever had this happen where you're doing something over here and you hear people muttering and you know they're talking about you? This is what's happening. The the Pharisees begin to mutter, look at him welcoming sinners around him. I can't believe. And they're talking just loud enough so that he can hear them. And he's like, I hear you. (laughs) And so now I'm going to tell a story and listen up because it's going to be for you. I'm going to address you. And I think that we have a lot of Pharisees, a lot of religious people in our churches today. A lot of us, without even realizing it, we can get in our own little bubble, we can get out our own little contentment of the way our life is, and we begin to live happy with all of us, just together, and we begin begin to become Pharisees, in that I don't want to Mess with those people out there, and I think our churches are pretty full of Pharisees today, who don't go beyond these walls. And so Jesus begins to address them, and he says in verse three, Jesus told them this parable: Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them, doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open and in the open country and go and find the lost sheep until he finds it? Go and look for the lost sheep till he finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and he says, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So the first thing Jesus is going to talk about is the the story he's going to focus on. He's going to say to them, this is pretty much how you're supposed to treat the lost. It's like if you had a hundred sheep and one takes off, and that sheep honestly didn't even know what it was doing. It's just have its head down, like a lot of us, distracted with life. A lot of people in this world are so distracted with what they're doing, making money, uh, trying to get this or that, this job, that job. They're focusing on what they're doing now in this world. They don't see eternity. They just see now. A lot of people are just, we all start out lost. We don't know any different. This sheep didn't know any different. He didn't know that, oh, I'm supposed to be over here serving the Lord. I'm just lost. And that's how he started out. I'm just lost. And I love what Jesus is pretty much. Remember, he's addressing the Pharisees who don't love the lost. They're not wanting to hang out with the sinners. Sinners and lost, same thing. And so he's saying, what I want you to do is leave the comfort of your ninety nine. And I want you to go out and find and search and search and search until you find that one. And I love this. If I had like a little stuffed animal sheep, but I didn't want to go out and buy one. I should have. I could have given it to Evie. Anyway, so you go, he goes out and he finds the sheep. And this is what we do. We pick it up and we put it on our shoulders. Think about this for a minute. Now I'm going to carry the weight of this sheep for a while. It's more than just going out and finding it and leading it back home. I'm going to carry the burdens for a while. I'm going to help you through life for a while until I get all the way to where I know you're good with the 99. I'm going to share your burdens. I'm going to be with you. The word says, let me see if I can find it here. I wrote a scripture verse in here. In Galatians 6 2, carry each other's burdens that I, I'm like, I'm going to shoulder the responsibility of making sure you know who Jesus is. It's not just, you know, share the gospel and leave them. We go out, we find them, we carry them in to the fold. Ooh, I love that. And then, of course, our favorite part, there, it's a party. And all along when you're carrying it, you're joyful. Don't forget that part. We're joyfully carrying the sheep. And then we have a party when we, back, we arrive back at the sheepfold. And then he tells another story. He's like, oh, that's not enough. I've got to really let these guys know what they're supposed to be doing. Suppose a woman had ten silver coins, and she loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, search carefully till she finds it, when she finds it she calls her friends and her neighbors together and says rejoice with me i've found my lost coin in the same way i tell you there is rejoicing in the presence of angels over one sinner who repents ooh in this one he's re- referring to coins which is still going to be the lost people so you lose a coin and what does he say the woman is supposed to do she's supposed to light a lamp ooh that we are to be the light in the world. we got to light up, be who God's called us to be. But he also says this word is a light into my feet and a lamp unto my path. We as believers have to know this to be able to share the light of God's word into the circumstances that the lost are facing. Without the light of the word, we're teaching them nothing. This is what we're sharing with people. So you light a lamp, and then it says you go out, and he says you sweep the house clean. I'm thinking that means I got to sweep myself clean, right? You sweep the house clean. What is keeping me from going out and looking for the coin, or am I satisfied with my nine coins? I got to sweep that stuff away so that I am not obsessed with anything else but reaching the loss. This is our purpose And so I'm going to sweep my house clean. I'm going to make sure that everything is out of the way. And then I'm going to carefully, carefully go and find and look through everything and try to find the lost coin. They're out there. And the lost coin sometimes can be lost because of neglect. I just didn't pay attention to where my coin went. The coin could be lost for lots of reasons. But the point is, we're supposed to go and find the coin. Go. So he's saying this to the Pharisees, he's saying to them, he's telling these stories and I bet you they're just over here going, oh my goodness, is he, is he really, is he just saying that to us? (laughs) I mean, they're probably like, seriously. And then he gets to the story of the lost son, which we covered last week. And the son just wants everything now, he wants his possessions now. He's pretty much saying, like I said last week, that he just wishes the father was dead so he could have all his inheritance now. And then he heads off with it to a distant land. He spends everything in the distant land. There's loneliness, there's loss, there's death in this land. He turns and he comes home. And how does Jesus say the father responds to him? With open arms, running to greet him. He refuses to let the jar be broken. This is what the Pharisees would have wanted to do, break the jar. And so Jesus bringing this story and those Pharisees must have went, oh my goodness, no way. What is he talking about? Because we're supposed to break the jar when they leave. And Jesus is saying, no, you don't. You don't. You welcome them back. This is the way you treat the lost. You love them, and then you restore to them all of these things: their position, their power, right? The, the uh, that you're always with them. And I forgot my shoe. Sorry, I forgot my basketball shoe. But their purpose, and you restore all of those things. This is the way you face the lost. You welcome them back. And after he tells those three stories, then he's going to address. He's going to just smack it right at him right? Watch this. Verse 25. Go with me. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing, and so he called one of his servants, and he asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry, refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, The older brother is very upset, just like the Pharisees were. He's, this is the character of the Pharisees. This is the people who know who the father is. And this person is so upset because the father has welcomed home the prodigal son. He's welcomed him home. He's like, I've been here all along, and I've never gotten a fatted calf. Well, you've always had everything, the father said. Did you not know? And the religious people were so stuck in their religion and in following the law that they didn't know the relationship that was available to them. They got stuck right here, and all they wanted to do was obey the law and make sure everybody else did it. And he's going, everything I had was yours. The older brother becomes so upset and so angry, it says he refused to go into the house. I can't even be near. Isn't that what the Pharisees were saying? I can't be near a sinner. I can't go in where they're at. I, I don't even want to stand here while you're teaching them because I can't be near them. And it just it shocks me, but it's so true. I have heard of many people, and it's even happened here years past, where people don't even want to come into the house if somebody else is in here that they know is a hypocrite or a sinner. And isn't this where hypocrites should come? Where people should come? Don't we want to welcome the prodigals home? Don't we want to be like Jesus and welcome them in? And so the brother becomes angry and refuses to go in and he begins to be so upset with the son and, he, and the brother the the dad and he says to the father and he points the finger at the son this is what your son is doing and i he calls him his son not his brother he calls this is what your son is doing he squandered and and when I find myself pointing my finger at someone else's sin, I should really be looking at myself because I probably have a plank in my eye that I need to take out before I work on the sliver in somebody else's eye. And he begins to point at the sin. And isn't that what the Pharisees were doing? How, look at these sinners here. These sinners you shouldn't have allowed here near you. And so he's upset and he points at the sin of the sinners is what the, what the brother is doing here. You squandered it all, and I love the Father, the love and the compassion he even has for those of us who are messing up. He says, my son, don't forget you're always his son or his daughter. My son, you've always been here. Everything I've had belongs to you. But this brother of yours, not, not this son of mine, this brother of yours, I love the way Jesus twists that back. He's that brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost, and he's found. Have you forgot the real purpose of what you're alive for? Is to see people who are lost found. Everyone is destined for eternity, either in heaven or in hell, and I want them all in heaven with us. I want them to be found. God is in this story. He's addressing the Pharisees' hearts, and he's bringing us around, you and I, into a relationship with him and where we realize that what it's all about what our purpose is all about is seeing the lost come back to Jesus. Seeing the lost found. Ooh, God wants everyone to be found. He wants relationship back. He's, you know, in the it, very beginning in Adam and Eve are the ones who broke the law. They broke, I mean, sorry, the, Jesus said, don't eat of that tree, and they ate of it. And because of that, sin entered the world. And now each and every one of us are lost. We're born into this world lost. You're not the only one. I'm not the only. Every single person in this world is lost and needs Jesus. And Jesus says that he's going to come along, and he says in in John chapter 3, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world may be saved. Through him. Ooh. This is why Jesus came to find the lost. These stories must have just been so real to Jesus as he's speaking them. I want you to get the heart for the lost. And when we know people are lost, you go like, well, I'll just bring them to church. It's so easy. You have been trained, you have been taught, you know how to share the gospel with the lost. You know what you're to say. You can take them right to Romans. Write to the book of Romans 6.23 or 3.23. Write these down if you need to. Romans 3.23. For everyone has sinned. We all start out lost. Romans 6.23. And the gift, the wages of that sin is death. So because we've all sinned, death is required. Somebody has to die. And it says in Romans 5 8. But God demonstrated his own love for us. While we were sinners, Christ died for you and I. This is the gospel right here. Because a death needed to take place because of my sin, God paid for it with his son's life. And Jesus paid for that sin for us once. And because he conquered death, his sin, his death, because he conquered death, that death that he paid for death for eternity for each and every one of us. It's like an all-inclusive death. One death for every single person's sins. Wow! Because he conquered it. And then you go to Romans ten nine, and it says this in Romans 10, 9 and 10. And if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you'll be saved. If you believe what he did, for it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Ooh, praise the Lord. Everybody is lost. People are lost and they don't know Jesus. And we are the solution to the lost problem. We are it. In Mark chapter 16, it says we are to go into all the world. We are to do that. We're to put on our shoes of purpose and go out into the world and tell everyone about Jesus and share his love with those. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. We are the examples of Christ on this planet. The only way the lost will be found is if we decide to do what we've been called to do. Our job description as believers is to reach the lost, That's what we see Jesus doing the whole time he's here on earth, reaching the lost. He doesn't care what the Pharisees say. I want to tell people about what's really real. They're lost, and they need to be found. Are we, as believers of Christ, really going after the lost sheep? They don't even know they're lost. Do we not? Can we just go out and not give up, just keep on, keep on, keeping on? And then when we find them, do we joyfully put them on our shoulders? Or are we like, I brought them to church. Can't they just do it on their own now? But are we putting them on our shoulders and carrying them and helping them? Are we shouldering them? And then are we partying with them? I mean, are we letting them know this is awesome? Someone that was lost is found. And are we looking for the lost coins? Are we getting rid of the stuff in our lives that keeps us so distracted? That can consume our time that I go, "Eh, I'm just happy with my nine coins. I don't need any more. I want to stay with the 99 sheep. I want to be in the comfort of, you guys know me. You know what I'm going through. You know what I I like and I dislike. Why would I want to open up my heart to other and shoulder them and sweep all this? I like doing what I do i like to just invite you guys over to watch the football game. Why do I want to, I don't want to open up my house to other people. Are we becoming like the, the woman and sweep sweeping the house? Or the 99 sheep and just like, eh, I'm happy to be in the fold today. And are we welcoming back the lost sons or are we like, let's break the jar? They chose to go there. There could be some people who are like, they chose to turn their back. So let's break the jar. Let's break the relationship for good. Or are we, my mother has such a heart of mercy. It wouldn't matter how many times her brothers or sisters turned around to come back, but she was just like, come on home. You know, just come back. She would give them over and over chances. But isn't that what the word says? that we just continually forgive and we continually open our hearts. See, the thing about the lost son, and I don't know if I mentioned this, but when the lost son chooses to leave and he's going the opposite way, he has to choose to come back. In the other two instances, they go and they search for the sheep. And we go and we search for the coin. But when we see the lost son choosing to leave, a lot of us are dealing with prodigal children or lost people. When they choose to go, you need to pray that the hunger pains begin to come. You need to pray that the enlightening, and maybe you can share the gospel, you can send them texts or whatever, but you don't go out and chase them. The father waits, because because they chose to go this way, you will just be chasing them forever. The son has to come to the end of himself, lost and lonely and empty and realizing, oh, what I had was better. At this point, when they're just out here partying, they don't know that 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 was better. This feels really good, and I like this. So we have to wait, and that's the hard part. That's tough love. We have to wait for the prodigal to turn around and come home. And when, but here's the cool part. When we see them even coming this way, it says we run to meet them. I mean, all I'm gonna I just need a glimpse of that person turning and coming. And I want to run and meet them and open arms and receive them back. This is our job description. This is our calling. This is our purpose. I don't want us to be happy just hanging out with the 99. Are we doing what God has called us to do? Are we looking for the lost sheep? Are we looking for the lost coin? Are we welcoming back the lost son? In the first story, the ratio is one in a hundred. In the second story, the ratio is one in ten. In the third story, it's one to one. What's Jesus' point? The one. If I was the only one, he would have died for me. The one, the one matters. Every person you pass on the street is a one. How can I walk by them? How can I not pray, oh God, capture the heart of that one, and that one, and that one, and that one. I pray that your hearts are broken this morning, and you want the one to be saved as much as God does. That you would give up anything, To see them saved. Nothing in this life is more important than the one. We have to open our hearts and begin to share. Not be comfortable where we are. Pray for the lost son to have those hunger pains. Clean the stuff out of my heart and out of my life so I make room for the lost coin and I can find it. And pray that I don't not satisfied just hanging out with you guys, even though I love hanging out with you guys. But then I'm not satisfied. I want to reach the one. Thank you for listening to Praise Center Sermon of the Week. Don't forget, for more information, visit PrayCenterOnline.com.